0: Welcome to Speakernomics, the official podcast of the National Speakers Association, brought to you by Leadership Books. I am Kenneth Kinney, but friends call me Shark. And like you, I am a professional speaker, and I love listening to Speakernomics. It's the professional speaker show that will help you thrive and grow a speaking business, so you too can change the world. One keynote, session, workshop, and speech at a time. And on today's episode, we're gonna speak with Tom Todoroff. Over the course of a career spanning decades, Tom has coached, produced, directed, and acted some of the most celebrated and respected names in theater, film, television, rock and roll, and even professional speakers. And he's spoken with some of the best minds in the speaking business as well. Tom, welcome to Speakernomics. How are you today?
1: Happy to see you, Shark.
0: Absolutely. Now, to all my speaking friends, what are you doing to enhance the performance of your speech? You've got great content down on paper, but the people that are really making a great living at this are often the ones that have added focus on their performance. They're thinking about the blocking and staging. And it wasn't just Shakespeare's words that made many of them famous. It was also what they did to prep and deliver great speeches to their audiences. And before we jump in, make sure to go to speakernomics.com. That's where you can find the tips insight knowledge to help you become a better speaker, build a better business, and get paid to speak. Now, Tom, I'm gonna ask you several questions about this. What are the things you see that help elevate speakers from being mediocre speakers to where they're really making a living and doing this well when they start to change up a lot of their performance tactics, if you will?
1: Well, it always starts with the core. And the core is your breath. The core is your voice. And your articulation and your diction. It's a series of muscles. They require exercise. They respond to exercise. You know, you mentioned actors, and I've worked with actors of all levels, from the utmost beginners to Peter O'Toole. Uh, Peter O'Toole, Bob Hoskins, two of my greatest experiences, life-changing experiences.
0: Liam Neeson?
1: Liam, yeah. Now, you know, Liam did plays at the National Theater in Great Britain. Bob Hoskins, who some of you know from Roger Rabbit, was a huge star in the UK particularly. He was the second guy I ever coached and my first trip to the UK to be a guest in his home. I was 25. Bob had done guys and Dolls at the National Theater of Great Britain. He had done Othello with Anthony Hopkins. He played Iago for the Shakespeare series that Exxon funded. All of these folks, the greatest actors in the world, Train their voice. Now, why do those names stand out? And then you'll see a so-so actor on a sitcom, a little bit of training, a little bit of work, a lot of training, a lot of work. It's all about what gives you connection to humor. Your connection vocally is your connection emotionally. So that's what personalizes your work. So that's the core work. And then after that, I'm really gonna overwhelm you now. Only I don't think it's that overwhelming. There's uh, what we call the physics of performance. If you're sitting somewhere where you can write, it'd be a great thing to write down. Because why a story works and why it doesn't work, I can reveal to you 100% of the time, because it has to do with the smallest molecules and your job as a speaker is to change the molecules in the room. That means you have to make us do at least one of these things, laugh, try, learn something, that's documentary film in the film, TV, and theater world, uh, be scared. Horror is a genre that travels very well. A chainsaw in Sarasota, Florida, or Thailand is a chainsaw, if they're chasing you with it. Or to be turned on sensually, erotically, the good romantic comedy, the good erotic thriller. So, how do you do that? Now you've worked on your voice and speech, and you've done that daily. And in our studio, the classes are all recorded, so you've got a library of 14 voice and speech coaches from my alma mater, Juilliard, Yale, the Royal Shakespeare Company, et cetera, 12 other places. Now you've got these daily workouts, much like going for a run or stretching. You can warm your voice up in 15 minutes. Now, the more you do that, you convince yourself you are worthy of being paid to do this because you're not just stabbing it. So now the core is there, your body's relaxed, you're connected to your voice. 15 guideposts, that's a good thing to write down. Six viewpoints, I'll go into what these are a little later. Four parts of vocal variation. And the four agreements, as recounted by Don Miguel Ruiz in his book, The Four Agreements, the most important one is always do your best. So that's it in a couple of minutes. Now, this is a lifelong study. Uh, The NSA people I have with me bring me an hour speech. They bring me an hour and a half. And we'll work on, usually I can get through in a group class, uh, about five minutes of a speech. Because that's going to take about 45 minutes. To do really well. And then they're going, wow, I'm really, I'm really discovering what the architecture of storytelling is. Much like a building goes up, right? When you're working on a speech, you're going down the page, and now you have a completely different, you know, every word you speak is like a musical note and you're on pitch or you're, So that was a lot. <laughs> What do you
0: think of that? Yeah, it's great. So, one of the things, though, that I think of a little bit, and I think it's my ADHD that kicks in, is I spend a lot of time rehearsing my content as well. But I, one of the things that I find with some speakers is sometimes it looks too rehearsed, too theater, if you will. And we hear so much about authentic. It's almost like saying, um, you know, when you're recording a podcast. So, I dropped an um there. But how do you you know, make it to where it is the stage presence that a brilliant actor may give versus a little bit of a needed guffaw once in a while to make it seem real without making it over-rehearsed?
1: You know, that's an excellent question. And I don't get asked that enough. Life is a series of opposites. So as a producer, if I'm you're coming in as an actor, I've got two needs from you. I need to know you're really prepared. You know your words. But I have another need. I have the need for you to be appear to be completely spontaneous, totally unrehearsed, and you rock us. But, you know, what's amazing about the NSA, folks, but it's the same thing with I encourage all of my actors to write. Because Mark Twain said, write what you know. We all have a story. Well, and most of, if not all the NSA folks, you know, your speech, I'm sure, often has a lot of sharks in it, right? Uh, Mark Schulman's one of our best pals. He's all about the drums, and he has uh, picks up a set of drums in every city he goes to, and he talks about improvising on the drums and how life's an improvisation. That I'm always amazed that when people are telling their own story, they're playing the grand and the punctuation and these semicolons which sound like a colonoscopy and I'm going, (laughs) whenever you bring me your own stuff, the first thing I do is say okay, forget it. Now, here, do it for me. Now I'm going to give it back to you with the high points that I got. So you were born in this town and this happened and then you had your heart broken when you were 16 and your mom died the same. So, and I'm going okay, now you give me your version of that. Okay, now let's go back to your text. Now forget the text and suddenly we did this a few hours ago we had class today we have class saturdays mondays and tuesdays part of what i love about the nsa folks is when you watch one of my classes you go how have i ever thought i could make a living at this without knowing all that because suddenly it's spontaneous but in the beginning i'm going i'm more spontaneous with the stuff you wrote than you are well because it's left brain So you got to shift into the right brain and just go, okay, so emotionally, this is a question for everybody at home, the shark, Kenneth, the shark, we just met. So you had to have some close calls, right? With a shark? Sure. Sure. Right. Well, I want to know about that. And I'm sure when you talk about it, it's a little emotional, right? Did you have one where you thought this is it?
0: No, but I don't walk out into the water with a, a Cheeto and barbecue sauce. You just, you learn to prepare. Well, I don't. I feel like I'm answering the same question I just asked you now, too. It's all about that preparation. Well, but the
1: shark doesn't have a script.
0: So who might? Not? Exactly. That's true.
1: you, Right? So, you know, but it's you've got to shift into the emotionality of it. For all the NSA folks, I mean, a lot of these folks, when I meet them, they're very left brain. And they're thinking brand and market. I go, the world doesn't care about that. What I care about is what you feel and what you love. And the most exciting thing about you is what you're passionate about and what you love and where you're vulnerable. Not your left brain and I bet I can market and I can do this. Yes, that's a consideration. But that's down the list. Why are you doing this? You know, this stuff, part of what I love about, you know, I've done a lot of different things and my favorite thing is this it's been great producing movies i've got to act with heroes of mine coach heroes of mine rock and roll heroes of mine play drums with rock and roll heroes of mine but in terms of consistent day in and day out joy it's this 100 percent of the time 100 percent of the time so if you're an nsa person and you're writing your speech it better be something you love not what you think someone would be interested in, because then you're coming from a thinking place. You know, when you go to a movie and you go, this is terrible. And if you and I were going with Emily, I'd be sitting over here and I'd lean over to you and go, they shot the deal memo, which means they had what they call elements. They had this director, this screenwriter's got a track record. These actors are well-known, except there's no script that anybody gives a hoot about. But the thing you love... That's the story we're interested in. And that's why oftentimes some of the most successful films are small films that are evocative emotionally. So to review in your writing, it's gotta be something that makes me cry, makes me laugh, makes me think, makes me scared, or turns me on, or you have failed. When someone asks you, what did you think of the movie we just saw? If you have to stop to think about it, it didn't work. Because, you know, when we come out and we go, oh, right. Wasn't that incredible? That's it. That's it. And, you know, every now and then the public is fooled, but not often. You know, there's some movies that are up for Oscars this year and I vote on this stuff and I'm going, really? That one? Are you kidding? It's interesting in my head, but I didn't feel a damn thing and it may have been excessively long so so that's a bit of a long-winded answer to to get it off the page get it in your body another really good rehearsal technique is do jumping jacks while you're doing your speech right get out a treadmill and do your speech because you can't get in your head right throw punches you know like you're shadow boxing doing the speech and suddenly you're going wow because actors love to say i feel like i'm in my head they go well You're in your head because all of us live here too much of the time. Agreed. Right. And there's actually been studies done how this is terrible
0: for actors. For those listening, not watching, he was holding up his cell phone. So talk a little bit about a little bit of a two-part question. You bring people in for a training and workshop and... When they come out of that, how does this help them get more you know, bookings in their business? What is it that you help teach them and train that you often see that speakers kind of open their eyes and then they are able to go get more gigs from it?
1: Well, you know, the silver lining for us uh, of the pandemic,
0: which was unforeseen,
1: is now that this is online, it's incredibly affordable, this training, because I don't have to travel to you. Before... Like how I met Brewster Kell and became a very close friend. I flew to Miami and that I need a theater and I've got to stay in a hotel and there's air travel and there's ground transportation. And you have to cover that individually. You know, it's divided between participants. Now there's none of that. So this is less than half what it was close to 20 years ago. Confidence is created. So, the more confident, because actors will go, they'll be, wow, like the people in your studio are so good. I go, well, you didn't see them when they got here. And some of them have only been here a few months and look at them, right? Confidence is created. Now, the more confident you are in the content, in your presentation of it, because you understand the physics of performance molecularly in your body, it's not just in your head, You will have no qualms about pitching yourself to anybody, anywhere, and you think you deserve to be well compensated for it because you have skin in the game. You took time to learn. I mean, the biggest thing I have to teach actors is that when acting is done well, it looks effortless and spontaneous. It isn't. It's no different than playing the guitar, the violin, really well. So, it looks spontaneous. But actors are like, well, how do I do the least... And have a lifelong career, 60 years. It doesn't exist. I said, I, I teach farming. Sow seeds, irrigate seeds, fertilize seeds. The fertilizer costs money. Like the, the machine to sow those seeds, that costs money. Pray for sun, there will be a harvest. So you feel, I'm sure this is true, because you know my experience in the NSA, which Bruce got me into, Mr. Turkel, thank you, Bruce is that not unlike actors, actors suffer as many people do, from imposter syndrome, where I feel like a fake. Well, how do you combat that? As an actor, true for the speaker, really work on your voice and speech. You're in the National Speakers Association, but you've never studied the mechanics of speech. Well, think about that. So that's interesting. Study Shakespeare, right? A visual for your folks. This is something I produced and directed called Working Shakespeare, which is the life's work of Cicely Berry, who is gone now. That's Claire Danes, Sam Jackson's in this, members of the World Shakespeare Company. She entrusted me with her life's work. And, you know, by the time I was done with this thing, and it's probably the piece I'm most proud of, Uh, which it wasn't a feature film or a television movie that i had produced it's going to last forever because her work is chronicled now so study shakespeare work on your voice and speech if you're an actor cultivate dialects the more skills you have the more work you're going to get here's an equation for all your listener viewers the shark craft plus commitment equal confidence plus career craft plus commitment equals confidence and career that is an incontrovertible equation works 100 percent of the time right but i watch people attempt to wing it and we can see in your eyes if you have confidence actors are always like you know tom how do i get an agent i go well you need to become an actor first <laughs> they're like oh they go, well, oh, the agent doesn't tap you. Well, and it's no different being a speaker, right? There's reps that rep speakers. I know Bruce has that. Mark has that, et cetera. But they're not going to tap you with the talent wand. But you got to have something to bring them because they're going to live off the commission of that. So how do you get to that confidence? Train, train, train. Being a storyteller professionally is closer to being a professional athlete than it is to the world of the arts. Yeah, I'm a huge football fan. I'm from Buffalo. Yeah, I heard. I'm sorry. Yeah, I went to that last game. We were there. We woke up that morning and we drove across New York State back to Buffalo. Got to go. It was a good game. We were happy. We went, but who gets to play in football? You've got to be able to pass, catch, block, tackle, kick, hike the ball. If you don't do one of those really well, you don't get to play. So... As a speaker, you need to think of it that way and constantly be working on your storytelling skills, right? That if you do this work, you get that work. But to think that you're going to make a minimal investment in yourself, but you're going to have a maximum return from that, that's not my experience of this life.
0: Well, I'm a Cowboys fan, and we only do about 84% of the things well Anyway, so we're always watching the last games from home. So I have a question that I want to ask you from a previous guest. And I think this is very interesting to ask a performance coach. How would you get in front of bureaus and speaking agents? Or do you even need to get in front of them? Sort of think through what the path is.
1: Well, that's an excellent question. I mean, for actors in the beginning, people were going, What are you going to teach in person again? And what are we going to do? I go, Listen, I do not miss outdoor plumbing. I do not miss the kerosene lamp or the telegraph. Life is moving forward. So, all of the stuff we do here is as applicable to speakers as it is to actors. Because it's the same thing, right? Do you know what the name of the phonetic book, the book, the gold standard of phonetics, talked to me by Edith Skinner before she died when I was at Juilliard? It's called Speak with Distinction. So, it's never been easier to get in front of people. Before, you got to get in the room. That's going to take time. It's going to take my time to see you. Now, all auditions are this way on Zoom, including Broadway, until the final callback. Then they want to meet you in person, and they'll do a chemistry thing to see how you actually are with this other act. But if you ever told me that theater auditions would be this way, it's hygienic. It's incredibly time efficient. So... You know how do you get in front of an agent? Well, you got to have something to put in front of the agent. So make sure what you're putting out there is, um, you know. There's a phrase I use with actors a lot: that I dare you not to cast me. And part two of that is, I dare you to forget me. Yeah. Have a nice day. Right. Well, like they go, what? What? Go. Where were you going? Well, what? What do you want to talk about? Well. That was great. I felt pretty good about it. Um, were you going to give me the job or what? They're looking at each other like, I can't believe this guy. And I'm going like, I'm busy. I got to go. Well, wait a minute. Maybe we will give you the job. Okay, let's go. Right? Actors will say to me, oh, my God, how can you be like that? And listen, nobody has, you know, casting directors are as worried about their next job as actors are because if they bring in somebody who's going to drop the ball in the end zone when they're all alone, right? Not unlike the last play of the game Sunday. Uh, he could have dropped that ball. He has no recollection of catching the ball. He said he went into a trance. Right? That's fascinating. Right? Now one of the things we teach in storytelling is opposites. I think you're going left, you go right. I think you're going up, you go down. They won the game with an opposite. He ran to the left of Mr. Mahomes, did a pivot, went the other way, and he's all by himself standing in the corner of the end zone caught the ball game over. So there's a physics to this stuff. But the agent will not give you craft. You have to bring them something that they can market. So it doesn't just, as I said, the muse does not descend. It's sweat equity in this. It's not a lot of dough. To study this stuff. But if you're planning on a lifelong career, you know, I find that many actors, when I first meet them, are quite short sighted. They want to get a job, but a job can be three lines as the concierge going, uh, uh, Kenneth, a party of two? Your table's ready, right this way. Cut, you're an actor, except that's not enough work to qualify for health insurance. So you got to aim higher at that. For all the NSA members, you must aim for the sun. Your fallback is Saturn. I find the most actors and many of the speakers I've met at conventions, they're aiming at a shrub and you're going to get the dirt. You've got to aim so high and invest in you so others will invest in you.
0: Great point. So now I want to ask you what is a question that you would like to ask a future guest on this show? Why are you doing this? Why are
1: you doing this? It's, you know, to me, folks, what I want you to take away, what I tell actors is the first word is wait, because they immediately want to go to memorize lines. Don't do that. You're a speaker, don't memorize lines. Learn ideas in small clumps. Go back to the beginning. That's how you avoid that recited thing. Uh, memorization equals generalization. Okay? Memorize, generalize. Remember that. For your future guests, the word is weight, And I have actors write it vertically and speakers. Why am I talking why are you doing this if it's coming from your heart i'll receive it in mind if it's coming from your head i'll think about it and that's okay but was it worth an hour or 90 minutes of my life so why are you doing this and for everybody you know our life is a series of maps And the map that gets you from 20 to 25 is not the same map that gets you 25 to 30. So you and I, the map from 30 doesn't get you to 40, right? You gotta revise that map. The the same, you know, the stuff doesn't apply. What was pertinent to you and meaningful to you at 30 isn't meaningful to you at 40 or 45. So you gotta keep revising that. So the question is, why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you talking? If you're doing it because you think it's a great way to make a living, that's not enough and it's unsustainable, right? It really is a calling and it's a form of service Uh, with the, with actors I'm constantly having to bring them back to the spiritual component of this, that storytelling is not grammatical. It's not literary because it's the national speakers, not the national writers association, right? So, storytelling is a psycho, spiritual, energetic event. Is it that for you? And if it isn't, you figure out what is, and go do that, because you'll be great at it, right? When you find that thing you really love, pursue it like Hercules, and you'll be great at it, because there's a fire in you about it,
0: right? Let's do a quick recap based on Tom's amazing advice. Well, number one, use your brain, but use your muscles. Make sure to build your muscles and train your voice. A lot of training and a lot of work. Your connection to the audience, focus on the story, change the molecules in the room. Make them laugh, make them cry, help them learn. Horror, eroticism, Storytelling. It comes about drawing out that emotion. Number two, the spontaneity versus authenticity, like just there. Shift into the emotionality of it. Shift out of that left brain and grab the emotion. The right brain tactics are often way down the list. Number three, virtual makes it easier to be able to get to learn this kind of stuff and you still can get the confidence. The more confident you are in your content with the physics and the performance, the better you will be at pitching your speech. Craft plus commitment equals confidence plus career. Tom, any closing thoughts before we say goodbye?
1: Well, you're a great student.
0: (laughs) I'm taking notes.
1: So when you do this work, you get the work out there. So I was a Boy Scout when I was 11 years old, and we had to learn the Scout laws. A Boy Scout is trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. I didn't memorize it, I learned it. So I mentioned six viewpoints. They are time, space, shape, movement, story, emotion. The four parts of vocal variation written vertically again. RIPD. Rate, inflection, pitch, dynamics, louder, softer. RIPD because you want your voice to be ripped. For those of you listening, I just flexed my arms. Okay. The four agreements are, always do your best, don't take anything personally, don't make assumptions, be impeccable with your word. I mentioned 15 guideposts. Number one is relationship. Number two is conflict. What am I fighting for? How am I meddling? Number three is the moment before, number four is humor, number five is opposites. Number six is discovery, number seven is communication and competition, number eight is importance, number nine is find the events, number 10 is place, number 11 is game playing and role playing. Number 12 is mystery and secret, number 13 is mischief, number 14 is vulnerability, number 15 is architecture. Your story must begin and end in a wildly different place and there's descriptions to the other ones but see, I didn't know he was that Ken, Kenneth was going to ask me that but it's there because that's my livelihood and that has brought me every blessing in my life personally and professionally so in closing the art of storytelling the heart of it, why am I doing it? Why am I doing it? Constantly re-examine that. If it's by rote or it's coming from your head, we will feel it. Yes, there's a business to this, but the most important part of all of this today is the balance. The balance between the personal and the professional. Because in that balance is where you generate your personal joy. And generating joy
0: is genius. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. Friends, make sure to join us at Speakernomics.com and let your voice be heard. Thank you to Leadership Books for sponsoring this episode of Speakernomics. I'm Kenneth Sharkini, your host of the National Speakers Association's podcast Speakernomics, and this has been another great episode of the show. To everyone listening, thank you for the privilege of your time. And remember, before we exit stage left, Speakernomics is the podcast where you'll learn to speak, get paid, repeat.